This episode is brought to you by Fortis et Fidelis, honoring the brave and faithful service of our fallen. The free will never forget. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Brave and Faithful Podcast. I'm your host, Raiden Dionisio. Uh, today, I have a special guest with me. He is the founder and owner of Combat Combat Flags. He's an Army veteran, Dan Barai. What's going on, Dan? Hey, man. Not too much. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, like I said, first off, thank you for uh, for taking the time here and 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 you know sharing your story. I appreciate it. Um, Definitely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, before we get started with uh, Combat Flags, can you just tell our audience a little bit about your service? Uh, you know, I, I mentioned you're an Army veteran. Uh, what did you do and how long did you serve for? Yes, yeah, so I was um, active duty in the Army for six years. I joined, I enlisted in the Army between my junior and senior years of high school, okay. which would have been 2000. I think I enlisted August of 2003. So it was just a few years after September 11th. And um, September 11th wasn't the catalyst for me enlisting. Like I, I had always wanted to be in the military. Like I grew up like reading books. My grandfather was a, a B-29 pilot in World War II. And he went on to fly bombers in Korea and Vietnam. So like the military is very much part of my bloodline and it's part right. of my history and who I am. So I felt, I feel like the military was pretty much like a predetermined future for me. Although I didn't know what branch I had wanted to be a pilot, like my grandfather. Fortunately, I have terrible eyes. They've since been laser corrected, which is cool, but that pretty much disqualified me from becoming a pilot. And I remember I was a kid, man, I was watching Band of Brothers on HBO and I was like, what? I can jump out of planes and get paid money to do this. So that's pretty much how I landed on enlisting in the army as my branch. And um, I ended up enlisting um, with my MOS being 37 Foxtrot, which is psychological operations. And the only reason I picked PSYOP is because it was it was the only uh, MOS at the time that would guarantee me an airborne school slot. So I signed up for that. Come come to find out a little bit later that PSYOP's part of the special operations community. So I got, you know, airborne school. I was in language school for six months or nine months. I can't remember which for a long period of time to learn uh, Tagalog, um, Filipino, and- Oh, you know I speak did, Tagalog? I, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, nice, nice. Yeah, I ended up, so the way that PSYOP works is like, depending on what your, like what language you're assigned, that's that becomes your your AO, right? So like I, I was put in 5th PSYOP Battalion, which is part of 4th PSYOP Group, and 5th Battalion is all about PACOM. So I ended up deploying twice to the Southern Philippines attached to um, two separate ODAs doing counterinsurgency work and advising and assisting the, the uh, Filipino Marines and the Filipino Army and also some of the Philippine National Police, which is cool. But yeah, um, six years active duty, uh, deployed twice, like I said, to the Southern Philippines. And I decided to get out of the military because our op tempo was crazy. I was watching my friends' relationships crumble. And at the time, I, my then girlfriend, my now wife, and we've been married for 11 years now, things are getting much more serious. And my, I guess my passion or my direction changed to be more family oriented. And that's where I found myself putting most of my energy. So that's ultimately what led to me getting out of the army in the first place was just wanting to settle down and, and see success in my personal life with girlfriend and now wife. Yeah. Um... 
you, you mentioned you enlisted in August of '03. We I joined around the same time. I enlisted around the same time. Uh, went to boot camp in August of '03. And uh, I mean, like you said, man. I mean, during the, those times, Afghanistan uh, was happening. Iraq that year yeah. started happening, and uh, you know the operational tempo. I mean, you can see it. Um, it's just started picking up in the mid two thousands. And yeah, you're, I mean, yeah. you're right. You know, like a lot of the stressors from those deployments really damaged some of the relationships that we, you know, active duty and, and now veterans had with, with, you know, yeah. our loved ones. So, um, I, I mean, I get it, man. I get how one would, you know, try to walk, you know, leave and try to start a different, different life after that. Yeah, man, it's wild. I think about this. We've got a, a three-year-old boy now, and I think a lot about how fortunate I am to have had that military experience without, like, a real girlfriend, definitely no kids, right? Like, when I deployed, like, I was all in on deployment. I wasn't thinking about anything back home. I can't imagine, I said this on my podcast last week with somebody I was talking with, I, I can't imagine just one night putting your child down for bed and then deploying the next day and just being gone for a year yeah. or nine months or 18 months, like, that's got just got to be an insane feeling. And it, like I said, like, I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't have to have to, to feel that or, or ever experience that. Yeah. I think, uh, that's, I think for me, what that's what kind of led me to like marry later on in my career. <laughs> I didn't want to have yeah. a family when I was, you know, going in and out of deployments, but, um, yeah. So, you know, Dan, we, uh, we talk a lot about in this podcast about transition, right. Um, from, you know, uh, the military to back to the civilian world. How was that for you? And like, you know, what, how was that journey? And can you just walk us to some of maybe some of the difficulties that you had and some of the learning lessons that you can, uh, provide for our listeners? Yeah. You know, that transition out was, it was good until it wasn't. <laughs> so, so I, um, like I obviously I knew I was getting out. So I had applied to school and I had gotten into college. Right. Um, and like, that was kind of like my next step when I got out, I had my terminal leave. I knew I was going to get paid for three more months after I, <laughs> after I went out on, on leave. Um, and I, I was really just kind of expecting to get back into civilian life, like back right. into the swing of things. Um, and I like to say that like one day I was in the army and the next day I'm out sure. Like they've got classes, but they were pretty much garbage at that point. It was like how to match your belt to your shoes. And like, they thought that was good. That was not, that was not helpful. <laughs> but I, like I said, like I had applied to school and I'd gotten into college and I was doing all right. Like I was excelling in school. I graduated college with a 3.9, but I was toward the end of college, like right before graduation, I was like really starting to miss that connection back to the military, back to guys and girls who like had similar experiences, guys like you. And I had pretty quickly realized that I had left the military the wrong way. So like, I remember like getting, like signing out on terminal leave and getting my DD 214 and like leaving post and taking my uniform off and putting it in a box and like literally and figuratively just putting my entire army experience in the attic. I thought that like in order to transition out, like I just had to kind of leave that where it was and then and move on. But what I've come to learn, one is that that's not uncommon for, for people who leave the military around, at least around the same time that I did. But two, I've, I learned that that was really, a really poor choice because like 
those experiences make us who we are. It's not right. all of who we are, but it, like, it's part of our story, right? Like you can't rip a couple chapters out of a book and, and get to the ending and know what the hell's happening. So like I said, the transition out was good until it wasn't. And when it wasn't, I started to feel really isolated and really alone to the point of which like I was the week before I graduated college, like I was on the phone with recruiters, like, all right, how do I commission? Can I, do you, you want, wanna, can I come back to the army? Yeah, you wanna can I come back into the army? Air Force. I even tried the Coast Guard and the Coast Guard was like, no, we don't want any active duty. We don't want any prior service people in the Coast Guard right now. I'm like what? That's crazy. Um, and I actually, so I was doing that like a week before I graduated, um, graduated college. And then I had a couple of interviews with the FBI to do the whole special agent thing. But I started to think about why I got out of the army in the first place. And that was my relationship. Right. So I kind of put that out of my mind and buckled down on moving into that next phase of, of life, whatever that was. And I had felt like I had been running so fast to get to graduation and just putting all of my energy into college and making sure I was getting good grades and I was going to get a good job that like that graduation date was kind of where the mission stopped for me. Like that's where things started to go a little bit off the tracks because for the first time in my adult life coming out of high school, like I didn't really have a mission. Like I didn't have a purpose. I was just kind of like, out there responsible for myself and really nobody else at that point. Right. Right. So I, I did what I, I thought I was supposed to do. And then it, it turned out that I needed to do just a little bit more to feel a little bit more success and purpose in, in life after the military. What, um, you talked about, you know, once you left the army, you immediately, you know, took off your uniform. You wanted to put that whole life behind you. What, kind of led you to that thinking other than the you know you thinking like oh this is how it's supposed to be done the transition is supposed to be done but like what made you to kind of just try to forget about that and then move back move on with um, with your life in the civilian world that's a really good question a really difficult question so at that point it was 2009 and like there was like growing skepticism, I think, about like what's the long-term effects of, at that point, eight years of war or seven years of, of war look like, regardless of where you went, like you kind of come back and people start, like even like people who I knew before I went into the army would like look at me a little bit differently and like say like, you're not going to kill somebody, are you? And like going into the college atmosphere, which is already a little bit more liberal leaning, like I had been reading things and I, I think I was just trying to like, button that like button that portion of my life up so that I could start fresh and not really have that be my identity or part of my identity moving ahead. I think I was just trying to look for that clean break um, to get a, to get a fresh start and just see what the world was like without, you know, thinking about deploying or thinking about jumping or thinking about this, that, or the other. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I guess you felt like some sort of, like with the civilian, there was like this negative outlook on the military, right? Like during that time. And you did you kind yeah. of wanted to stay away from that. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I I think they were just like trepidatious about and maybe like some of that was just me like like broadcasting onto them. Right. But um and I may have just been too cautious. I don't know. Like looking back, I'm sure it was a little bit of both, but I just like I didn't want to be like because we've all seen the movies and we all have friends who got out. Like, you don't want to be that guy who's like walking into class, like 
<laughs> with your <laughs> your cami your cami pants on or like with you your, your boots, boots on and like yeah. a, a camo backpack yeah. yeah i just wanted to be dan like i just wanted to be a guy who just happened right. to start college a little bit late want to support an active duty owned brand head over to fortis-fidelis.com again that's fortis-fidelis.com and help us in honoring the brave and faithful service of our nation's defenders all proceeds will help us create and provide memorial coins to the families of our fallen service members again that's fortis-fidelis.com and help fortis fidelis in honoring the brave and faithful. So, you know, after you left the military, you, you went to college, you graduated from college, and you, you mentioned that you're trying to find your next mission. Mm-hmm. How did how did you find your next mission? Was that combat flags or was were there other things that in between that? Yeah, so there was um I've always been into photography. Um, it's kind of just been something that's always been like a hobby and like a passion of mine. So like, like I said, I graduated school and I got one job straight out of school and I was there for almost two years. And then I, I took the next step. Like, so I worked at an, an agency in public relations and the next logical step for that career path is to go in-house, like to work for a big corporation. And at that time I was dabbling in photography trying to, um, it was kind of like an early like seedling for what combat flags was to become, I think, because I, I wanted to photograph veterans and help share their stories. That's always been something that's attracted me to military service before I joined the army. Like while I was in the military, man, like I loved talking with people and just learning about like why you joined, who are you before this? What are you doing now? Like, what do you want to do later? Like just learning more. And I thought that the combination of, of photographs with the written word could be a really powerful, right. powerful thing to share. Um, quite frankly, I didn't have the time or the know-how to like figure out how to build that. So I just kind of kept doing photography just as, as a side project. But where my, I, I think like my main mission really came in or like that, that second, second life service is combat flags. And I wasn't looking for it at the time. I was actually at work at my day job on a conference call, bored out of my mind in my cube. <laughs> and the like the general idea for combat flags just hit me. Like it struck me like a bolt of lightning out of nowhere. And that that was, you know, five years ago and still going strong. So that's awesome, man. Um yeah. you know, throughout all that before you found combat flags and that next mission, what what would you say were some of the Maybe not worst moment, but some of the difficult uh, experiences you've had, and how did you overcome those uh, those ex- uh, experiences? I think before combat flags, like I was just feeling really isolated, like really just kind of by myself. Like I had like my best friend from the army, Tony, who was also a psyop guy. He luckily he was close by. He ended he got out of the army a little bit before I did and he's a police officer in Charlotte now so like he was pretty much it like he was my buddy <laughs> and my wife and my mom who were here um and I, I think I was just feeling really like kind of cut off from the rest of the world because like especially working at the agency man I was around like a bunch of new college graduates like just kids with no life experience who just wanted to go out and get wasted every weekend and do stupid shit and that's never been my MO. So just having to deal with it 
and then listen listen to them talk about it like they were still in college was just like like I couldn't like I just like couldn't get there with them right um and it, I think really kind of what like to the second half of your question about just overcoming it was trying to look at life a little bit more positively than I had and realize that like I wasn't in whatever this was like whatever funk I was in alone like I had my wife, who's always been a, a killer support system for me, and my mom, who's been an amazing support system, and like my friend Tony, who's like, like I had a, a really close knit group of people, and I learned that I just needed to lean on them a little bit more to help get me moving back in the right direction. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that you know our experiences in the military has helped us and shaped us to become who we are, right? And it seems mm-hmm. like you know just from what you were saying you know, you were kind of just searching for more, like more meaning to your life because you've been through, you know, because of your experiences in the army, uh, you know, you, you were past the whole, you know, getting wasted and, you know, wasting time and things like that. So do you you feel, do you, would you agree with that, that like, you know, your experiences in the army kind of just led you to your next mission and to, you know, giving back to the community? Yeah. And that's like, that's one of the beautiful things about the military. And I've written a blog about this after I gave it some thought is that the, the mil- at least the army, I'm assuming it's like this in the rest of the branches. Like you don't realize what like the seeds they're planting from like the minute you start training, but like right. they're planting the seeds of purpose and working for something bigger than yourself and doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. And by the time you get out of the, the military, by the time you're you know, you go in at 18 and you're learning those lessons. And by the time you're 23, 24 years old, like those are your most formative years. Like you've, you've left home, like you're experiencing the world, but you're doing it through this lens of, of mission, of purpose, of trying to do something to help somebody who really needs help. And when you leave the military, like that, that goes away. And it's, it's hard to kind of reconcile what you knew versus what you know now until you can realize, until you kind of like had that aha moment of what exactly it is you're missing. And for me, like it was that mission. And the more, like the number of people I've talked with through Combat Flags over the years who have had that aha moment, like we're all marching back in the same direction now. We know that there's more out there than just, you know, working at a corporation or working at wherever to make them to make the man a buck. Like there's, there's more to life than that. Right. Right. So, you know, you founded combat flags, you said about five years ago. Yep. Um, so Dan, what would you say has been the most rewarding experience or moment you've had since you founded combat flags? Yes. So the most rewarding moment I think, think is one that happens um late last year so i make donations like the reason i started combat flags quite frankly and i I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because i didn't mean for combat flags to become what it has um i founded the company with the intention of you know making some cool stuff and donating to a nonprofit called stop soldier suicide monthly and i expected to sell like i don't know four or five flags a month and make a small donation and be cool with it but last year excuse me, I suppressed $100,000 in total donations to stop soldier suicide. And thinking back to like that first donation I made that was like 20 bucks, <laughs> thinking all the way up through when I, I made that that donation last year that put me over the $100,000 mark, man, like that's absolutely, absolutely insane. 
And for me, it's not like, it's not the dollar amount. It's the fact that, that all that money that people have supported and they find, they find purpose and they find meaning in combat flags, but all that money I've been able to donate to stop soldier suicide has gone to help. I think something like 77 veterans with two years of treatment. So just knowing that combat flags is far exceeded any and all of my expectations, but is like having a measurable, measurable impact and helping stop soldier suicide, help more people. Like that's where, that's where it's at, man. Like that tug, tug my heartstrings pretty hard that day. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And congrats on, you know, giving so much to, um, to that nonprofit and, and all the work that you're doing to, you know, we talked about, you know, giving back to the community and it seems yeah, like you've, you. you know, you found your purpose, your second, your, you know, your second service, uh, and your next mission. So congrats to you, man. Thank you. Um, that's been fun. Uh, for those of you guys listening in, talking to Dan Bry, he is the founder of uh, Combat Flags. Uh, Dan, uh, one more question before we, get, we go to our second segment here. What's one, can you give our, our, our audience an actionable step they can take right now in pursuit of their second service? Yeah, so I would, my advice to, to everybody is find what you're passionate about and chase it down like you're never going to catch it and just keep keep going after it everybody i've talked with um who are like like doing like far far more successful than i will ever be they've found what they're passionate about and they've chased it and they're still chasing it um and that's advice that was given to me for combat flags and it's advice i i will give to you and to anybody else who's listening is to just find find that thing that you're passionate about and work to make a difference with it and for it yeah, that's a, that's a great message. I mean, finding something that you're passionate about and finding something that you actually want to do, right? Like yeah. nobody wants to go to a job that they hate and like wait, feel yeah. like they're wasting time, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And I think just, the, maybe the, uh, the controversial part of that is like, it's not about making a buck, right? Like if I can support my family through combat flags, that's going to be freaking amazing. Like that will be, that will be awesome. But I think too many people, especially veterans, like they just chase the buck and like they come out with, you know, the same run of the mill thing that we all see on Instagram and Facebook every day, but where people start to make a difference. And like I, I see it with your podcast too, is like, you're passionate about sharing these stories. So you're going after it yeah. and I can hear it in your voice and you can tell when somebody's passionate about what they're doing and when there's more to it than just making a buck or two. So that goes a long way. People can tell and it resonates really well when, you strike that that chord with people. I appreciate that, Dan. Um, so Dan, what's one thing you want our listeners, our viewers to take away from this episode? Um, I think that the most critical thing is just to find a purpose, find a, a mission that's working for something that's bigger than you. There's a lot of people who need help. There's a lot of animals who need help. You might need like just find something that's bigger, bigger than yourself that will leave a positive lasting mark on, on the planet, on your legacy, on your family, on your community, whatever, because at the end of the day, like helping people is where, is where we, we shine and where we stand apart from other, other countries, other, other civilizations. And which is where, quite frankly, I think the American spirit shines when we're able to, to help pick up other people up and show them the way and teach them to do the right thing as well. Yeah, I love what you put here, man, for this question. You said our mission doesn't end when we take that uniform off for the last time. It just changes. Yeah. 
and it just yeah. goes it that's your story right like yeah. after leaving the army you're looking in search for that next mission that next purpose the second service and you you found it with combat flags yeah i hope so and i hope i hope other people see that as well but yeah totally like that's been my my shtick my spiel is that like I felt like my military service ended when I took that uniform off, but man, was I wrong? Like the mission didn't end, like it just right. changed and it took some time to figure that out. But once I figured it out, like I found out what I was passionate about and I chased it and I'm still chasing it, but that's what it's all about, man. Like that's what keeps life, in life interesting. That's awesome, man. Uh, so Dan, going to our second segment here of the podcast, this is what I call the fast five, same five questions asked all my guests. Dan, are you ready? Oh. Let's do it, man. All right. So first question, what's one hobby you enjoy? Reading. I love to read. Do you read? Uh, when do you, is there a specific time, like in the morning, nighttime? Or? I read whenever I can. Whenever. I'll read in the morning. I'll read <laughs> if I'm waiting, waiting somewhere. I'll, I'll read at night, whatever, man. That's awesome. Um, all right. So second question, if you had to choose one person to hang out with for one day, who would it be and why? Yeah. So I would want to hang out with somebody named Lucius Seneca, who is, he's an ancient, ancient philosopher. He's a Stoic. And I started to get into Stoicism about a year and a half ago. And everybody knows Marcus Aurelius for meditations. And that's where I started. But I ended up getting into um, letters on ethics by Seneca. And while Aurelius, this is not a fast answer to your fast five, but while over Marcus Aurelius's um, meditations were really meant more for himself, Seneca's letters on ethics were meant like they were meant for the future. They were meant for, for us to read and to, to, to learn from. And he's done a lot to teach me through his writings about how resilient we are when we learn to accept things as they are and to control only the things that we can control. So I would want to pick his brain and just like go deeper on, on his philosophy and learn more from him in that way. Seneca, Aurelius, I mean, Marcus Aurelius, any, any one of those uh, stoic uh, philosophers yeah. would would be awesome to hang out with. Yeah. Uh, next question, Dan. I recommend a book for our audience to read. Number one book is The Winds of War by Herman Wouk. The Winds of War? Winds of War. Oh, Winds of War. Okay. Winds of War. It's historical fiction. The man does an amazing job at creating relationships between the reader and the characters and just inter interweaving a ton of different storylines. And it's based in World War II. It's fantastic. There's a follow-on book called War and, Re War and Remembrance, but they're both about 1,200 pages. So start with Winds of War and, oh, and wow. see where you, <laughs> see where you go. Now, I, I know, I know, you really love to read, man. 1,200 pages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next question: What's your favorite quote and why? Um, my favorite quote is one I post every Monday morning from Combat Flags, which yeah. is "Be the change." And there's a couple of different ways you can look on look at that. It's either be the change you want to see for yourself, or you know, externally to somebody else. So just be the change. Work. Don't just say you want change, but actually like be the change. Be the example of that change. Take action. Stop talking about it. Take action. Yep. Um, Dan, last question. Where do you see yourself in a year, five years, or even 10 years from now? I mean, I have no idea. I'm horrible at these one, five, 10 year goals. <laughs> Ideally, within five years, I would be working combat flags full time, just pursuing that, supporting my family, and just spending as much time as I can with my family and talking to veterans 
and the active duty folks like you every day and just trying to, to do more, to donate more, to make cooler stuff that people can, can have to represent service and sacrifice. That's awesome, man. Um, Dan, I, again, I've been a avid follower of you for a while and, uh, you know, really appreciate what you're doing with combat flags and especially, you know, you giving back to the community, uh, with, uh, the nonprofit organization, stop soldier suicide, uh, congrats again on giving, you said a hundred K passing a hundred K. Yep. Uh, that's tr a tremendous, uh, tremendous um support that you're giving to to the community um you know where, where can our audience where can they find you where can they stay in touch with you dan yeah so the website is combatflags.com spelled just how it sounds um facebook you can just search combat flags and instagram is combat underscore flags awesome man awesome uh dan again appreciate you for your time um salute to you bro uh with your uh, organization combat flags and uh hopefully keep in touch man and uh you know let me know how we can be of assistance to you yeah man same there same with you too awesome all right guys uh till then take care we'll see you soon hey everyone raiden here i just want to thank you for listening to our podcast Make sure you guys go check out our website, fortist-fidelis.com. Again, that's fortist-fidelis.com. And learn how you can help us support in providing these memorial coins to the families of the fallen. And make sure you guys go follow our social media on Facebook, FRTS, FDLS. Again, that's FRTS. FDLS and on Instagram and Twitter at FRTS underscore FDLS. Again, that's FRTS underscore FDLS. And make sure you guys go subscribe, review, and leave a comment on our podcast on all the podcast platforms. Till then, take care.